Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you have to step away from the radio because you're headed into work or for whatever reason, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes and or wherever it is you download podcasts, you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and we will be with you. You can listen to us wherever or wherever you decide. We're going to start off today talking about guns and talking about it in a different way than we normally talk about them here on the show. Every time a mass shooting happens in America, we start asking the same questions. Who did it? Why did he do it? What was the weapon he used? What system failed that could have stopped the shooter before he killed innocent people? But what if these are all the wrong questions to be asking? What we cling to in these discussions is a belief that Americanism is rooted in an ability to own powerful guns. The Second Amendment reigns supreme and seems to squash any serious conversation about gun control. Indeed, the Second Amendment sets us apart in the world, but not in a good way if you look at the numbers. Research from the University of Alabama shows gun ownership per capita in the United States is far and away higher than in any other country. Americans make up about 4.5% of the global population, but Americans own 42% of the world's guns, and we suffer for it. We have more mass shootings, we have more killings, we have lots of negative statistics that we could roll out about the prevalence of guns and violence in this society. The only other country that comes close to the United States in mass shootings and gun ownership adjusted for population is Yemen. Yemen, which has been the site of an ongoing and brutal war for many years. So why, with these numbers in front of us, are we unable to talk about the problem we have in this country, the problem of guns and shootings? Our guest today says we need to have a reckoning with these issues, including with the way the media deals with these things. Is the media partially responsible for making guns and violence seem more acceptable. They make shooters famous. We talk about them. We talk about their names. We talk about their backgrounds. Should we stop doing this? Of course, we want to hear from you about this subject. Uh, could you imagine a day in this country when the government tried to reduce the number of guns in circulation, actually took steps to say, let's get some of the 250 or 300 million guns that are out there under control? What regulations could you imagine the government putting in place to control gun ownership? Or do you think that mass shootings on American soil, the fact that we have more than anywhere else in the world, that's just something we have to accept? Is that just something that is part of our culture as Americans? That's where we want to start the conversation today. If you want to join, the number is 313-577-1019 on the phones. That's 313 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. And joining us right now to help frame this issue is Adam Langford. He is a professor of criminology and criminal justice at the University of Alabama. Adam, welcome to Detroit Today. Nice to speak with you. Yeah. So let's start with uh, with these numbers that uh, I was just talking about. The outsized difference between gun ownership and violence in America and the, the, the same kinds of statistics in other 
countries. The only one that comes close, as I said, is Yemen, a place that has just been engulfed by war for a really long time. Is that oh, is that all attributable to the Second Amendment? In other words, is this just something that's part of the American uh, form of government and culture that we just have to put up with, or should we be thinking of it differently? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't say uh, we have to put up with it. Um, you know, this is a democracy. Uh, your listeners and, and everyone in the country has a vote, so um, we certainly have the ability to, to change uh, the laws of the land if we want to. Um, you know, in terms of the Second Amendment, I, I mean, I guess I would say that you could probably trace America's uh, reliance to guns before we were even America. So, um, you know, for people who have that broad per- perspective historically, it is true that um, early on uh, our uh, familiarity and, and dependence on firearms um, was was part of our history and and um, according to historians helped us win the Revolutionary War the fact that um, we were so comfortable with guns but you know this is hundreds of years later um, and uh, there are very clear consequences and and public mass shooters is one of them so um, you know we can argue about kind of the pros and cons of having guns in America um, suicide homicide. Uh, other forms of violent crimes uh, come into mind, but uh, you know, I guess I would just say, you know, anyone who at this point is saying that the the reason we don't have, uh, or the reason we do have so many public mass shooters is not related to guns, um, I think they're just uh, in denial of the facts. Yeah, uh, well, one thing I always talk about uh, when we talk about guns, and actually when we talk about some other subjects here on the show, <clears throat> is something that you brought up there, which is. The violent history of this nation. This is a nation that was born of violence, a violent revolution, a very bloody revolution in which, as you point out, the comfortable sort of uh, relationship that people had with guns was one of the reasons that uh, it was easy to do that. It's a nation that has had uh, that violence at the sort of core of its most important uh, arguments for a very long time. If you think of uh, the, the Civil War, which has to, to to sort of happen in order for us to get past slavery uh, and, and the sort of inequality that was baked <clears throat> into the Constitution. If you think of the number of times we've waged war in the 20th century, uh, sometimes for liberty, sometimes for conquest. Uh, And if you think of the fact that this is the only nation still on the planet that has used nuclear weapons uh, against another country. I mean, the the, the, the two nuclear weapons that we dropped on the country of Japan during the Second World War, I mean, some of these things have to do with things other than guns themselves. And I think they get to Uh, a sort of core set of beliefs that violence is an acceptable way to solve certain kinds of problems. I I feel like that drives this discussion as much as the Second Amendment itself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point because when you think about some of those wars, uh, Revolutionary War, uh, Civil War, um, other wars that have happened since, to some degree it was people... Americans basically saying, I would rather fight, I would rather kill, I would rather die than kind of change my beliefs, mm-hmm. right, uh, mm-hmm. or sacrifice my ideals. 
and I guess um, that uh, perspective is is almost echoed in what we see today with people who are digging in their heels on this gun issue itself. So, um, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans in particular have probably been never uh, more divided on the subject of gun control. And basically, you know, you have people saying, uh, we'll change these laws over my dead body, which is, is a uh, um, kind of a scary uh, proposition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, the number on the phone to so join the conversation is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. You can put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will try to work you into the conversation. We are talking about guns and gun culture, uh, mass shootings, what we do about them, what we don't do about them, how we react to them, and whether those things can change in this country, whether we have it in us to think differently about guns and gun violence. Uh, Also, what role should the media be playing in all of this? Do the media make too much of mass shooters and mass shootings and in turn, make these things seem more acceptable in our society. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to John in Detroit. John, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I got a really quick question, and I guess call me stupid for really not understanding this. But the Second Amendment, you know, it starts off with this part about a well-regulated militia with the need to, I think, secure the state or something like that. Mm -hmm. Is that part of that entire Second Amendment piece? Because then from there it goes on, people have the right to bear arms. It seems like we just focus on the second part of that sentence. Is is, Is the Second Amendment, should we interpret it as one complete statement? You know, where you have a well-regulated militia, you've got a roster of people, you know their names, you know where they live, so on, and have an actual purpose. How yeah. do we interpret the Second Amendment? Has it changed? Have court uh, actions changed our interpretation of that? Yeah, John, that's a great question, uh, and it's it's a question that I think comes up quite a bit. Um, Adam Langford, I'll give you a, an opportunity to to talk about that. How we interpret those two different clauses in that in that Second Amendment. The first one seems to get a lot less weight than the second. Right. Well, um, yeah, I think your your uh, caller is absolutely right in terms of. Um, the different ways that could be interpreted. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's almost become a bit of a, a Rorschach test in the sense that not only does those two different parts of the amendment, but, you know, people even parse uh, words, uh, punctuation or lack of punctuation, and it seems like, um, I guess in some cases, it's agenda-driven interpretation, right, that mm-hmm. people see in it what they want to see. Um, you know, I guess, uh, as, as much as I care about our Constitution um, and our history, you know, I think the the operative question for people really should be, um, what will make this country uh, the most healthy going forward, um, and and how can we shape that future? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that that I also think comes into that conversation is this idea of over time, do do we see things? differently. And, and of course, this was a very different country when the Second Amendment was written. There were all kinds of threats that existed and needs that existed that, that don't exist now. I mean, I mean, if you think of the fact that, the, for instance, right here in, in southeast Michigan, 
at the time of the end of the revolution, the British still had troops stationed just across the Detroit River uh, in Canada. And there was a fear that they might try to retake the United States or parts of the territory uh, here across uh, across that river. The Second Amendment is written in the context of those things and certainly mindful of those things and mindful of the fact that maybe people would have to take up arms to defend the nation. Uh, that's very different from the individual sense of dis- defense that we assign to it now, but we still are, are using the same words. And, and I think in some ways uh, blurring blurring the, 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 the distinctions there between who is supposed to be able to defend themselves and in what manner. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the fact that, of course, um, technology has changed so dramatically in terms of uh, firearms and, frankly, their their killing power, right? Um, the number of bullets that can be fired per second was certainly not something that was envisioned by our founding fathers. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would agree absolutely that context has, has changed things uh, dramatically. Um, and I guess, you know, my personal opinion is I'm hesitant about uh, kind of uh, sacrificing my own judgment to people from 300 years ago who couldn't necessarily um, have predicted everything that would come. Yeah, yeah, or understood or or who would not be able to, to even understand those things. Again, John sure. thinks – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. No, no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, okay. Uh, John, thanks very much for the call uh, and, and for interjecting that point into the conversation here. Let's go to Stan – in Southfield. Stan, welcome yeah. to Detroit today. Hey, guys. Um, hey. I was just thinking, this is a great conversation. I was just thinking that part of the problem is that we don't have, the, there are many societies, that even in uh, Switzerland, I believe, and there, there's many places where, where lots of people have guns. Um, I believe the Swiss require you after you have been trained in the military to keep a gun. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't have any anything like the problems we have. But I think what we what's different about this country and that a lot of these other countries is we don't have a common culture. Um, we tried to, uh, and you know, people used to go to, I can remember when we would have a black club meeting or a city meeting that, you know, the bakery guy would be there and the guy that laid bricks would be there and the lawyers would be there as the, as we destroy our culture, you can see, you could draw a direct line between the destruction of our civic culture and the increase in gun violence hmm. because People feel isolated. They, you know, in most places, people don't think they need to defend themselves with weapons. They have police to do that. Right, right. So. Uh, Stan, that's a really that's a really interesting distinction. Uh, thanks very much for calling and 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 raising that. Uh, Adam Langford, talk about first the the distinction between what goes on in this country and others. As as Stan points out, there are other countries where people have have guns. Why is it so different? Um, but then talk about this idea of defense uh, being maybe unique to America, I guess. Right. Well, in terms of guns, I mean, you, so your caller is absolutely right that there are countries with relatively high numbers of firearms, but um, this is open source uh, material, so you can, search, you know, any of your callers that they want, they could, uh, or, or listeners could search for themselves. Uh, uh, rankings of nations by firearm ownership rate. Um, that's public uh, information, mm-hmm. and even though other countries have a lot of guns, it's nowhere near per capita what we have. Um, so I think, you know, we probably have about uh, three times as many firearms per capita as, 
as some of the countries in the area um, that the caller was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, I guess beyond that, um, you know, I work on a college campus, so um, we're pretty cognizant of the fact that there have been a number of mass shootings in the United States on campuses. And one of the things that kind of, I guess, shed some light on the subject is that we had a debate maybe about a year or so ago um, on campus carry, right? Should students be able to come on campus armed? Uh, and the person who is uh, um, pushing for that was basically saying, you know, citing this idea of self-defense, right? That uh, having armed students would, would somehow make us safer. I think you're right that in other countries, and, and my, you know, one of my many points to, to people who had that view is that, well, wait a second, we have a university police. Um, if, you, if you say we need to hire more university police, okay. Um, if you say the police need to be better armed, okay, I'm okay with that too. Uh, but why wouldn't we leave our defense in the hands of the professionals instead of kind of just arming the populace? and uh, um, kind of ignoring all the consequences of that in terms of, you know, we have various people here with uh, different uh, levels of mental health, um, different levels of self-control, different levels of anger issues. So um, the idea that everyone in America needs to be able to defend themselves with a firearm um, is fraught with peril. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Adam Lankford of the University of Alabama, uh, talking about guns, the prevalence of guns in our society. We'll talk about mass shootings and the media's role next. We want to continue to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Can we ever change the gun culture that defines so much of who we are as Americans? We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Adam Langford. He's a professor of criminology and criminal justice at the University of Alabama, and we are talking about guns and gun culture here in the United States, talking a little differently about guns today than we normally do on the program. We're talking about how we fit into the sort of global picture when it comes to guns and gun ownership, where we fit in that picture when it comes to mass shootings, and then asking the questions, could we do this differently? Could we regulate guns in a way that might reduce the number of guns in circulation? Uh, we're talking about whether there are regulations that are reasonable under the Second Amendment uh, that we might indulge, that might make things safer here in America. And of course, we want to hear from you, 313 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think about the mass shootings that we see here more than anywhere else in the world? Is that something we just have to accept as part of who we are? Or are there things we can and should 
do about them. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Adam, I want to I want to move a little bit uh, the, the the conversation over to mass shootings uh, and talk about why those things happen here. Uh, in the United States more frequently than they do other places, whether that's about the prevalence of guns or whether it's about just the violence that exists in the culture. And then we'll we'll talk some about the media and uh, a particular argument that you are making about uh, uh, the media's role. But, but, But first, let's talk about those mass shootings. Why do we see that here so much more frequently than other places? Well, I did this study of 171 different countries over more than 40 years to really answer that question. Mm-hmm. And I would say I measured a bunch of different things. So I did look at firearm ownership rates, but I also looked at homicide rates, suicide rates, uh, national wealth, um, a variety of other things like that. And it turned out the answer was not suicide rates. Um, so if you look at us in the United States, where uh, we are 48th in the world in suicide rates. So there are countries with with far worse uh, mental health and, and suicide problems than we have. Uh, the answer was not homicide rates. There are a number of countries that are actually um, more violent than ours in terms of the actual homicide they see on an annual basis. Uh, statistically, and this is not a matter of opinion, this was what sophisticated mathematical models showed, uh, the answer was firearm ownership rate. So um, we're number one in public mass shooters. We're number one in firearm ownership rate. We're number one in total firearms. We have more than 200 million more guns than the next highest country, which is India. And, and India, of course, has a much higher population than we do. So um, there is a, a strong statistical link there. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it's, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah. Uh, and and that link uh, that, that you're talking about, it is about, I mean, again, this, this tension between the culture and the and the guns, and maybe it's not an either or, I mean, because they are so linked. Where do you begin to have the conversation about turning that in a different direction? Well, you know, I think uh, I make a analogy to um, climate change, where if you look back a few years ago, uh, there was a debate, and the question was, is climate change real? And now that debate has really shifted, and, and you have different sides of the aisle saying, well, we all agree that climate change is real. The question is, is it uh, attributable to humans or not, or what should we do about it? Um, and I think we'll, we'll see the same thing here, which is um, the, the facts are just too apparent. I think we'll reach a point soon where everyone will agree that the reason we have so many mass shootings is because we have so many firearms, and the question will be what to do about it. Um, how can we preserve uh, Americans' rights to hunt or, uh, or to have a firearm in their house for protection if they want it without having these firearms um, that are so readily available to anyone uh, kind of um, who can circumvent, you know, very minor background check restrictions. Uh, you know, we've seen people with severe mental illness, including the uh, Sutherland Spring shooter who had escaped from a psychiatric facility get get firearms. So um, I think, you know, efforts will really be on um, having the guns that are in circulation be less lethal and keeping them out of the hands of people who uh, are most likely to use them for 
for ill purposes. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones to talk about guns and gun culture here in the United States, how we might turn those things in a different direction. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag us. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to John in Windsor. John, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hi. Interesting conversation, you know, Thank being you. right across the border and like talk about two cultures. I'm an American, grew up in the Northeast in a Republican household. Uh, I'm going to be 63, and what was interesting is we never had guns. It was never part of our conversation, never part of our lifestyle. In the early 70s, my dad retired, moved down to North Carolina, but he got fixated on the, re- on the right-wing talk shows, all the publications. The guy's got more guns than I know what to do with right now, and he's one of those ones who says, take them from my dead hands. This is not the gentleman that I grew up with, and I'm putting it down to the fact that we've polarized the country so much between right and left. Hmm. Um, it's, I, I, personally, I think it's something in the water in the States right now that's making everybody <laughs> shoot the heck out of everybody. Huh. We don't have it up here. Now, mind you, we don't have guns. And look at Australia. They got rid of all their guns. Overnight, no more guns. One mass shooting. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I just think that the U.S. is on this suicide road to, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to shoot the hell out of you. Yeah. But John, I, I think that's a great observation. I'm glad you called uh, and made it. Uh, Adam, we haven't talked that much um, about about that part of the culture, the anger and the ostracization that have cropped up in the last, I don't know, 5, 10, maybe 15 years in this country and what role that's playing in maybe uh, fueling uh, certainly mass shootings, I feel like, are, are probably attached to that. But, but at the same time, we've had periods of this kind of acrimony in our, in our history uh, in this country and not seen quite the same thing. So I'm not, I guess I'm not sure where to put that uh, in the conversation. Well, there is a lot of research, which is pretty compelling, which suggests that when Americans feel less trust in their government, um, that leads to increased violence, increased social turmoil. Um, And you can think of that both on a national or cultural level, but also on an individual level. So I guess one of the things that that bothers me is that when you have um, political parties saying to people, uh, you can't trust government. Um, you have to rely on yourself. Uh, you know the system is completely corrupt. That message gets through, and it even gets through to some of these people who commit mass shootings. So, on an individual level, people like the Sutherland Spring shooter. Uh, people like previous mass shooters. Um, they kind of, from this perspective, can't trust anyone. Have to uh, take matters into my own hands if I want justice. That's essentially what they do. So their killings are, are in a sense, an effort to to grab control out of chaos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you very much again, John, for uh, that that call and interjecting that point. Uh, Adam, let's talk about also Australia, this example that John brings up, uh, getting rid of guns. How is that working down there, and is that a model that we might look at? Right. So in Australia, it's interesting because their response in terms of national policies on firearms 
was directly related to a terrible mass shooting that they had there in 1996. So they had a, a mass shooting which uh, killed 35 people, um, and within weeks they had enacted major gun control um, uh, regulations, so both limiting what types of guns were legal without banning all guns, um, and they, they launched a buyback program, so really you know, giving people cash for turning in firearms that was an incentive that worked to reduce the number of firearms in that country. And uh, as John, your caller, said, um, the benefits have, have been apparent that they've um, only suffered uh, a very few mass shootings compared to the number that they had uh, had experienced before um, these policies were enacted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today when we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Lisa in Yale. Lisa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I uh-huh. appreciate it. Sure. Uh, you know, when you said that uh, the mass shootings, if we should just um, accept that as a nation just makes my stomach turn and makes me want to vomit is uh, the worst, I think, comment, I, you know, to have to accept that as a society is awful. Mm-hmm. And for people to hide behind the Second Amendment, and, and I figuratively say that because that Second Amendment was built, as you said earlier, back when uh, guns held one bullet. They didn't kill 50 to 100 people in in one round, you know, one round of ammunition or whatever. And it's just, we need to evolve uh, our laws as the way that guns have evolved and uh, for government not to step forward and take take action on this is uh, absolutely disheartening and disgusting as a nation <clears throat> that yeah. we're suffering at the hands of of people that feel like they're entitled to be able to uh, mass shoot folks. And I'm not saying that everybody that owns a gun is going to do a mass shooting. However, uh, it is directly related to, you know, me- mental illness and, and the amount of guns on the streets and, and you know, definitely something needs to be done. And I hope that, Adam, that's on the line, you know, I hope you run for government because what you're saying (laughs) is right on. (laughs) Uh, Lisa, thanks very much for the call. Uh, I really appreciate the the comments there. You know, uh, hiding behind the Second Amendment, it's an interesting phrase. Uh, of, Of course, the, the you know it's it's not something to hide behind it's something that's part of our constitution and and you know as somebody who is enthusiastic about the idea that we could do more to limit guns and gun circulation i also am pretty respectful of the idea that look uh, the the reason that the republic has held together for as long as it has is about the respect for uh, for the Constitution itself and the process that we have for for changing it, um, you know, it's really difficult to say that we shouldn't that we shouldn't be respectful of those things. I think I think that might be equally dangerous. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, there's no doubt that the Constitution um, is an important part of our country. It's kind of the backbone of our country. 
Um, I guess I was struck by the uh, the caller's point, though, that, you know, in, in some sense, you know, hiding behind or, or um, simply, like, citing um, lines from the Constitution, um, I think, can be a bit impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I'm struck by is how, how personal um, and devastating these uh, mass shootings are for families, you know, around the country. Uh, that, in other words, like, uh, we, can, we can have, like, a political discussion about this, but this is not just politics for the people who are victimized and the people who suffer. Um, and I think uh, we don't want to be so distant uh, when discussing this issue to think, oh, well, this could never happen to us. This is just something um, that's, that's part of the country. But, but um, you know, kind of distancing ourselves from the consequences makes it easier to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Lisa, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome yeah. to Detroit today. You know, I not think what needs to happen. Me myself, I feel that only the police and the military should have guns. Period. But that aside, okay, um, we got the Second Amendment, uh, and like I said, a well-ran or armed militia. That does not necessarily mean we, the people. It meant the, the army, the navy, the air force, the marines. You know that kind of thing. But you know, I'd say this. Those weapons of mass destruction, like those AR-15s and those semi-automatic weapons, and even the bump stock that you can go and, you know, like the guy out in Las Vegas used, Mm -hmm. those weapons should not be available for purchase by, you know, individual people. Because those weapons were meant to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to kill a lot of people in a very short period of time, as we saw what happened out in and, you know, God forbid something like that happens again. But I just think that, you know, we individual people should not have the right, the ability to buy those kinds of weapons. Revolvers, mm. okay. And, I mean, even like, you know, things like Uzis, you know, those semi-automatic hand weapons. I don't think, you know, individual people need to have those as well. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I appreciate the call and the, and the comments as, as always. I mean, I think that's a really... Uh, the, the, there's that's a really extreme point of view, no question. Uh, but but it's one that I that I hear a lot from folks. Uh, Adam, before we end the segment, I want to pivot to your uh, new position, I guess, or or, or a position that you're speaking out about um, about how the media deal with mass shootings. Um, and I want to read a quote from a letter that you have signed along with 150 other professors experts and law enforcement officials, you say, we strongly urge you to take a principled stand in your future coverage of mass killers that could potentially save lives. Don't name the perpetrator. Don't use photos or likenesses of the perpetrator. Stop using names, photos, or likenesses of past perpetrators and report everything else about these crimes in as much detail as desired. Uh, in other words, take the emphasis off the individual, which could be seen, and some people do see, as uh, aggrandizing the behavior, and instead uh, focus on the shootings themselves. It's pretty. It's a pretty strong position to take. Uh, it's and it's one that I think uh, should cause some some soul searching among among media outlets. Right. So. 
Um, I guess what I would emphasize about that, of course, as you said, it's, it's not just my opinion. It's, uh, you know, a letter signed by essentially 150 experts. Um, the, we're not saying don't cover these crimes in detail. Continue to investigate them in detail. Um, you know, long stories can be written about the backgrounds of these offenders, and we would have no objection to that. Um, that can be important information for the public to know. But, you know, someone um, who's so accomplished in the media like, like you, I'm sure you're aware that there are, uh, you know, media standards, uh, ethics, um, that say things like minimize harm, um, uh, avoid uh, pandering to lurid curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the media publishes the photo of a mass killer, that that's all that's doing is is... Uh, pandering to curiosity. In other words, no one thinks that, you know, well, now that we've seen the face of the Sutherland Spring shooter, uh, we're going to be better equipped to stop previous um, or, or, or subsequent incidents, right? Um, so uh, simply publishing the face uh, and, and publishing the name, it doesn't actually help us uh, prevent these attacks, right? Um, but it does have a lot of consequences. So in the particular case of the Sutherland Spring shooter, we now know, uh, according to both a law enforcement uh, official and uh, a coworker, that he was fascinated with previous mass shootings. He even so this church shooter in Texas even copied uh, a 2015 the Charleston church shooter. Um, according to a coworker, uh, the Sutherland Spring shooter said, uh, "Isn't it cool? Did you watch the news?" He would say he wished he had the nerve to do it in reference to the, the previous church shooting. So um, that kind of idolization of previous attackers is really only possible because of the media coverage these individuals get. You know, I don't, I'm not saying the media has bad intentions, but there are consequences. There is harm um, in terms of the, the current way we're covering these incidents. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam Langford, Professor of Criminology and Criminal Justice at the University of Alabama. Thank you very much for being here for this conversation on Detroit Today. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Up next, we are going to talk about the campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. Stay with us on Detroit Today.